This is The Candidates, a limited podcast series by Only Sky Media, highlighting non-religious candidates in the 2022 midterm elections. I'm your host, Sarah Levin. In this episode, I'm speaking with Representative Emily Kincaid, who's running for re-election to the 20th District in Pennsylvania's State House of Representatives. We talk about dealing with prayer in the legislative chamber, public financing of campaigns, and how policymakers can be more intentional about making sure minority-owned businesses are prioritized when marijuana is legalized. And a lot more. Take a listen. Thanks for tuning in. We are here today with Representative Emily Kincaid, who represents District 20 of Pennsylvania. Welcome, Representative. Thank you for having me. So I want to start um, by asking you about serving in the state assembly, uh, the state, the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, and running as an openly secular candidate. Uh, how do you identify and how has that been for you, both as a as a representative uh, as an elected official and on the campaign trail? I I mean, honestly, it really doesn't come up all that much. Um, And I find that there are a lot of my colleagues, at least on the Democratic side, who, you know, tend to be more on that side of things, whether or not they are um, personally religious, they are somebody who like is uncomfortable with the idea that we open uh every session day with a prayer um and and um so there's a lot of conversations had about you know we want a separation of church and state but at the same time we have all of these traditions that we keep uh that sort of forces religion into uh government which should be secular but I think, you know, by and large, there's there's not a lot of opportunity to potentially change that um, unless and until uh, we end up with a Democratic majority in at least the House, because uh, I don't think that my Republican colleagues would ever consider uh, not starting the day with it with a prayer because, you know, tradition um, and and also, you know, a lot of I think their base would be potentially uh very upset if they if they got rid of prayer how often would you say there's there's non-prayers you know how often do people provide kind of you know a secular sort of invocation or or read a poem or things like that or have you have you ever stepped up to to do that uh i have not uh stepped up to do it but um i would say i mean it's not as it's not as frequent but um i do think there are uh, a number of there I, I think of my one um, colleague who while he uh, he's a he's actually a practicing Quaker and uh, he offers a, a, a prayer periodically he'll do the prayer that is literally just uh, a moment of silence and and personal reflection so it is not leading anybody in anything so I actually appreciate those when he does it um, because it is, not telling anybody specifically anything and it allows you to just reflect on whatever it is you want to reflect on um which i think is helpful to kind of center yourself to do the work for the day there are certainly people um 
and and again more on the Republican side I I haven't actually seen it um, much on the on the Democratic side um, that really believe that we should be legislating uh, based on the Bible based on uh, you know the Christian tradition which is really disturbing to me because I that is one particular religion and one particular interpretation of that religion and and that was never what we were supposed to be doing in in terms of governing so uh you know there are certainly people that you know my colleagues that that absolutely believe that that the bible is really kind of above the laws that we're setting um and that that means that they should be legislating based on that and and it's not uh you know, I, I, I find it very problematic. You know, I think about the, the First Amendment, which provides a freedom of religion. And I think inherent in a freedom of religion is also a freedom from religion. Because in order to be able to have the, the ability to choose your own religion, you have to have the ability to be free of someone else's religion in order to make that decision. And it's certainly not the place of our government to be encouraging or promoting one religion over another because it doesn't allow people to have the freedom of religion if, if we're prioritizing the beliefs of one religion and one uh, interpretation of that religion. Absolutely. That's, that's really well put. proud of the budget that we just passed in June. Um, it's probably, so So for background on anybody who doesn't know, the Pennsylvania legislature has been controlled by Republicans for about the last 30 years. Um, so Democrats being in the minority, we haven't had a lot of ability to kind of set an agenda or, or push things through and we kind of have to maneuver as the minority. Um, what happened this year though was that the Republican caucus ended up in such chaos because of, you know, one, because they do have this faction of, of folks that uh, will never vote for a budget that basically spends any money on services to people. Um, they also have another faction that is, you know, very much motivated by religion and uh, that they want to see more, uh, you know, they, they want to see their, their abortion bans brought up. They want to see all this stuff. So they try to basically hold the budget hostage by, you know, refusing to vote for it if they, uh, if they don't get their way. What we saw this year though, was the 90 Democrats that are in the house stuck together, uh, as a unit. And because a lot of times what happens is they'll they'll take one or, you know, they'll take a couple of us aside and say, hey, we'll we'll make sure that this project in your district gets funded if you can, you know, support this budget for us and try to peel people off that way so that they can get enough votes to pass it. But we stuck together and what we accomplished was a budget that actually 
invested in things that Democrats had really wanted to see happen for a long time. So a massive investment in our K through 12 public education, an investment in uh, in mental health uh, assistance for our schools, an investment in school safety, um, an increase in funding to address gun violence by providing grants to local organizations that are doing that work in our communities. Um, a whole homes repair act, which allows people to pro- to receive low cost uh, loans and grants that would allow them to fix up their properties, um, and it, you know, like you know, replace your roof or fix your uh, sagging front porch. Things that won't necessarily, on their own, in- increase the. Um, the value of a house so you can't necessarily get a traditional loan for it but really do matter and help low-income people to be able to stay in their homes uh, and make make sure that they continue to be safe um, so we got a lot of stuff into this bill into into our budget that actually helped people we we increased uh, reimbursements for direct service providers for uh, people with disabilities and and because that that system was on the verge of collapse if we didn't do that, but we were able to stick together and really make that happen. So that's the kind of stuff that I am really proud that that we have been able to do. Um, and I think one of the things that that on the appropriations that we have the ability to do is make sure that we are not. Um, Allowing people or organizations to qualify for grants or loans or, or to, to run the grants or loans uh, programs that, that we establish in the budget if they're going to engage in deceptive practices like crisis pregnancy centers. Um, that if you're not being honest, that you are not, if you're not uh, providing full information, uh, scientifically accurate information to people then you don't qualify for X, Y, Z things. So that's something that, you know, we just collectively as Democrats have really been been working on. Um, and in, from my uh, standpoint and on the appropriations, I'm a, I'm a freshman, so I don't, I don't wield a lot of power and influence over what it is that we do. But one of the things that I really try to work on in that committee is when we have budget hearings uh, before we start really negotiating the budget. That's that's about three weeks, but you know, in like February, March, where we actually get to interview the uh, the secretaries of uh, the various agencies and talk about why it is that they're requesting whatever the whatever is in their budget request. And really push them on things like why, you know, Department of Corrections, you know, why are you not, you know, you want you want more funding, but you're not allowing people to see their loved ones. And, uh, you know, why should, why uh, is that? Can you explain it out loud in front of people to the public? And we get to have the, the hard conversations, which I really appreciate. Um so From that, a place of leverage. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the the funny thing is, is like, I the the one time I was, uh, it, it can be big where you're talking about agency policy, but it also can be small where I was like, hi, uh, I have a constituent that I reached out to you guys about, and I never got a, a message back. 
um, and their issue is still pending. And I'll get back to my desk and I have an email about the constituents. <laughs> like, look, I, I will publicly embarrass you if I have to <laughs> in order to right. get stuff done. So I wanted to shift a little bit more into a policy discussion. What are kind of your big ideas for how, you know, if you, if you could, I guess maybe I won't say wave a magic wand, but let's say, you know, Democrats had, you know, uh, the majority in, in, in the Pennsylvania state legislature. What are the things that you, th- what are the big ideas you'd like to see happen? Um, I mean, there's, there's things that are, I think on the sexier side, and there's things that I think are necessary and maybe not as sexy. Like, let's start with uh, those. I always love to. <laughs> let's, let's make the not sexy things a little sexier. <laughs> right. I I think the first thing that we really need to focus on is rules reform, um, because right now the we we operate under a system of a sort of tyranny of the majority, where if regardless of how many. Uh, majority party members and minority party members there are there are always 15 majority members on any committee and 10 minority members so even if we there's 203 members of the house of representatives in pennsylvania if we had if they had 102 and we had 101 it would still be that breakdown um even though we're basically evenly split um and and that gives an advantage that they will always be able to defeat anything that that we might want to bring up um, or that we try to, to move like an amendment. Um, and they will always be able to get through any committee, whatever it is that they want. Um, and also the chairs, uh, the, the majority chair of the committee has exclusive uh, authority to decide what bills actually get brought up in that committee. So we never see Democratic bills actually come up in most of our committees. Very rarely do we see them. Most of the time we need a Republican co-sponsor or, or like co-prime sponsor uh, to get any bill moving anywhere. Um, I, I think that that is problematic. I think that we should, you know, Democrat, Republican, people have good ideas and... Mm-hmm you're basically silencing the millions of voters mm-hmm. that voted to elect the not currently 90 Democrats uh, to the state house. All like all of those people who elected us basically have no say in the legislature because the bills that we push never come up for a vote. So there, there needs to be, and, and it works differently in different legislatures to actually sort of require some bipartisanship. Um, problem is that if we change the rules to be more bipartisan in a majority, uh, if they get the majority back, they could just revert back to the way that it's always been. So it would be, uh, it, it would be interesting to see, you know, if, if a show of, good faith would actually carry over into them actually uh, continuing it on if they were to retake the majority. Hmm. Um, And I think the other thing that we really need to do is institute public financing of elections. It's Mm -hmm. something that I worked on when I was at Common Cause. 
it's something that it would require a, a state constitutional amendment. Um, but it is something that I think would make our government much more accessible to average people rather than you needing to raise a ton of money from uh, individual stakeholders and, and, you know, wealthy private donors. And, and um, it just makes it really unattainable to a lot of people. Um, and it also makes it hard because you have to basically constantly fundraise. Um, and so... Even when you're elected. Yep. Even when you're elected, you, you basically immediately start the, you know, calling people and talking to people about, you know, hey, I'm, I'm having a fundraising event. We'd love for you to come out. Now, it, you know, I don't, I don't disagree that we should have lobbyists because no one can be a subject matter expert on everything. Um, lobbyists are incredibly helpful because they help us to learn about an issue. Um, and if you've got good lobbyists, then you get, you know, both, uh, sides of, of an issue and then you get to make a decision. Um, but if you are concerned that a, a particular like stakeholder is going to spend a ton of money against you in your next election, you may not make the decision that you want to make. Um, and, and so I think that there needs to be a change at least in, in campaign finance laws in Pennsylvania, because right now in Pennsylvania, uh, there are no limits on how much any person can give to an elected official in the state. So governor, uh, lieutenant governor, any of the statewide elections, uh, anybody for uh, state house or state senate, if you wanted to write me a million dollar check, you could. And, uh, and, and then there comes the question of like, okay, well, were you, you know, nobody's giving a million dollars out of the goodness of their heart. What did, what did they want in exchange for it? Um, so I think those are kind of the, the two things that if I could wave a magic wand, uh, those are the things that I would change. Um, one thing that I would love to see passed, uh, and hopefully I've, I've got a good, uh, Republican co-sponsor for it now and hopefully we'll be able to reintroduce it next session, is landslide insurance, which is an incredible problem. Landslides are an incredible problem in my district and in Allegheny County. Um, and I would love to see us actually do something to help people who are financially devastated by landslides. Um, you know, it, it, there, are, there is no insurance anywhere that covers no but there's insurance for everything i can't believe that yeah i mean it's very much like flood insurance where it's like it it's you know it it is something that a lot of insurance companies don't want to cover because it's very expensive but um but yeah there's nothing there's nothing that covers the damage caused by landslides so uh, I'm, you know, I, I have a bill that would uh, create a, a landslide insurance program at the state level uh, that pe people could buy from the state, which uh, I think is, would be incredibly helpful for people. So stuff like that. But, you know, I would also love to see us pass protections against discrimination for people, for LGBTQIA plus individuals. We have not been able to do that for over 20 years of, of introducing this bill again and again and again um, because the Republicans won't move it. Um, I would love to see us pass 
protections for the right to have an abortion um, and and actually affirmatively, uh, you know, protect that rather than be on defense. And I would love to see us codify a lot more access to voting. Um, I think that we have seen so many attacks on our democracy and people's faith in our democracy that I think we need to do more to encourage people to vote and make people confident that their vote is counted and that it matters. Um, so I think, you know, same day voter registration or automatic voter registration um, is critical. I think early voting, I think drop boxes, all of this stuff uh, to make access to exercising your vote is, is really important. I think those are sort of the big three issues that I would love to see us take on uh, if the Democrats take the majority. One thing I did want to ask you about, because um, just at the time that we're recording this, um, it's just a few days after the Biden administration announced uh, that uh, folks who were um, incarcerated for marijuana possession, um, with exceptions, uh, uh, with an exception notably for people who are non-citizens at the time. Um, this is a huge criminal justice issue, um, and I was hoping to get your thoughts on just how it's impacting Pennsylvania and the district, um, what you think of the decision, and kind of what what else needs to be done on that policy, on drug policy as it relates to criminal justice reform. Yeah, I am incredibly proud of Biden for doing that because it is far it it, it is far too long in coming uh, to do that. We've known for over a decade that Mar really longer than that, but like I think you know it's been widely accepted for over a decade that uh, you know marijuana is not a Schedule One drug. It is not. At dangerous on par with heroin <laughs> it is it actually does have some medicinal qualities um and i think it's really important that he included in that uh a commitment to reviewing uh its its place in uh in in the scheduling of drugs uh i think that's a, that is a key piece to that um and I think that we should be uh, in, I mean, we have now medical marijuana in Pennsylvania, but uh, we, I don't think we've gone far enough. Um, we have, we have people who have professional licenses that can't use medical marijuana because uh, it might endanger their license, whether they're a nurse or a doctor or uh, anything like that. They don't have access to that. Uh, veterans don't have access to it because uh, they can't get a prescription through the VA because that's federal. So there's a number of layers of complication to accessing medical marijuana. So we need to legalize it at the federal level, and and it's taken far too long to get there. Um, I think the one thing that we really need to be cognizant of, though, is that all in in all of the states that have legalized marijuana in whatever capacity, whether medical or for adult recreational use, um, they've basically seen that it is really just rich white people getting richer. 
And I find it very uh, ironic that John Boehner uh, is on the board of a, a company that is a, a medical marijuana or a, a marijuana distributor. No, I didn't know <laughs> he that. Is, yes. <laughs> Tell me so, more. <laughs> now he is making money off of selling marijuana when he was one of the biggest champions of, uh, you know, mass incarceration because for in the war on drugs, like it is. It is people that have really no business making money off of marijuana who are, are making money off of marijuana um, while we are still not investing in the communities that have been most devastated by the war on drugs. And if we're going to legalize it, we need to be very, very intentional about making sure that people of color and communities of color are prioritized in the ability to have uh marijuana businesses and uh and and to make sure that we're not uh making you know weed stores look like apple stores uh right. and and benefiting largely just white people um that has been a real issue in a lot of those states and i don't want to see that be an issue in pennsylvania i want to make sure that if we're going to fully legalize it that the money goes to the communities that have been most devastated by the overcriminalization of marijuana. I think that's a, that's a great idea and I'm curious um if you have any specific ideas of how what that would look like is it like special um maybe uh programs for you know small businesses that are you know minority owned that would you know qualify for in, in a world where it was legalized that would qualify for, you know, business loans or support or, or fast tracking permits and what, what, what would that look like to actually make it happen? Um, I think it's definitely fast tracking permits for and and decreased cost for those permits for minority owned businesses. Um, but I also think that what we should do is that any current medical marijuana company that would want to expand get another license, whether it's medical marijuana or at a point where we legalize uh, recreational use, where they want to be able to sell for that, that part of their application for an additional license would be a requirement that they pay fully to the end the cost of a minority-owned business to also acquire a license. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's like you're, you're not advancing without bringing along the most impacted community yeah, with you. Exactly. And that, you know, that they basically would, um, I, I think another aspect of it would be to, uh, you know, basically give minority owned businesses sort of first choice of locations, um, in terms of where they can kind of set up. Um, if you're gonna, if you want to bring a, a, business in a, a marijuana business in that you have to solicit minority owned uh businesses in addition to uh anybody else so that you know if if you want to rent your space to somebody that you have to you know basically take bids from people so that uh minority owned businesses aren't being outcompeted by more well-established white owned white owned businesses Right, because that that would create sort of an open and transparent process for for that. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I, I this has been a really great conversation. 
um, and really appreciate your your thoughtfulness um, and advocacy for your constituents and your district and the state, which you know, I, being from Philly, uh, particularly appreciate. Um, so visit Pittsburgh and <laughs> make sure to... <laughs> that is, in fact, our tourist bureau is visit Pittsburgh. So that was a solid plug. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I love it. Um, well, this has been a great conversation. Uh, you just heard from Representative Emily Kincaid, who represents the 20th District in Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you. The Candidates is a production of Only Sky Media, exploring the whole human experience from a secular perspective. Visit us online at onlysky.media.